Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 42. Welcome. I am so glad that you're here. And I'm so excited to talk to you about my cup of tea today, which sounds kind of crazy, but it's true. I usually start my episodes by talking about the cup of tea that I'm drinking. I'm a passionate tea drinker. And um, I reached out to the people at Harney & Sons. Now, you know, um, if you've been listening, that I love Harney & Sons teas. I usually just buy them off of Amazon. They're very good quality tea. I usually do loose leaf, but I'm not above doing the tea bags because their tea bags are made of like loose leaf tea. They're they're very wonderful quality tea bags. So there's like no shame <laughs> with using the tea bag. So I reached out to them about the podcast. Um, they did not take me up on, you know, like being an advertiser, but what they did do is um, allow me to pick a certain number of teas to talk about a little bit. So so I ordered about five or six um, tins of tea. I gotta say that the tins that they come in are so beautiful. I love to save them and use them, um, you know, to, to store sewing notions and things like that in them. So over the next few podcasts, I will talk about um, the different teas that um, that I've got today is called Cherry Blossom. It's a green tea with a little very subtle cherry flavoring. Absolutely delicious. Kind of a great caffeine level for me <laughs> to drink a lot during the day so I don't get super jittery, but it's um, absolutely delicious. Again, I have the tea bags. And they're, they're just, they're very nice quality tea bags. You can see the tea in them. You can see the leaves. So absolutely love that. Also, I ordered from their website, which never occurred to me that they had a website. I'll put a link in the show notes, not even an affiliate link. Um, they have a huge selection of tea that I didn't even know existed because only a very small subset is actually sold on Amazon, which is where I usually buy my tea. So go check that out. Um, Probably the one I should have talked about today, so I will just talk about it right now, is they have a Valentine's Day blend, which is a chocolate tea. Now, you know me, I'm not super into flavored tea. I bought that one. The tin is gorgeous. I got to like, I don't know, make candy and give it to somebody or something for, for Valentine's Day. But it was delicious. Um, it's definitely, the, to me, the type of tea you might want to put a little milk in. Um, because, you know, like milk and chocolate, they really go together. But um, a, a definitely a different flavor would definitely go well with a little bit of dark chocolate with it. So definitely love the Valentine's Day blend. And um, my one of my very favorites, the the cherry blossom green tea. So that is what is in my cup. I hope you have got something fun in your cup too. So what is the news from around here? I don't know. It's been busy. January was a busy month. I think I talked last podcast about I went on a business trip to kind of uh, launch a different area of my business, which I am very happy to report has totally taken off. So that is wonderful. Um, I'm very happy that that part of the business is going really well. It has been keeping me really, really busy. So I feel like my whole life is pretty much just working on that and um, working on the handpiece quilt along, which I will talk about soon. And, um, you know, just trying to keep up on the homemaking routines. And I don't feel like I'm doing a great job trying not to panic about it. I've kind of, for this little season, I've backed off of a lot of zone cleaning and I'm just trying to keep up with the daily routines um, to make sure that the kitchen is clean, the 
places, the floors are swept, things are dusted, bathrooms are decent, you know, and, and that's just going to have to kind of be enough. And um, when things settle down for me a little bit, I will be happy to get back to some zone cleaning. I might just make a little list for the weekend of... Um, because I haven't been hitting each zone every week, things like I'm realizing, you know, I really just need to spend five minutes and refold everything in my pajama drawer or my workout gear drawer and kind of noticing that um, the pantry, I could spend five minutes and just kind of um, straighten it out, maybe do a quick vacuum of some crumbs and things like that. And and that all seems pretty, pretty doable. So I think that'll be my my focus, but I'll be happy to get back to doing a little bit more of the deep cleaning. But if you keep up on the daily routines, you know, things don't go um, too far afield. So that's really good. Um, what else is going The kids, my kids, college kids are coming home um, on basically on Valentine's Day for that long President's Day weekend, which is also my wedding anniversary weekend. 24 years going strong. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to the family being all back together um, and trying to you know, keep on track with some of the goals that I set. Um, I t- talked last episode about this thing called the Start Today Journal, which Rachel Hollis um, created. And again, I'm just doing it in an old notebook. Um, But it's basically stating your goals for the year as if they've already happened. And, um, and that's been really fun to do it. Again, you rewrite the same 10 goals every day. Go back and listen to that episode if you don't know what I'm talking about. But you basically um, start out with a little gratitude, and then you rewrite your goals as if they'd already happened every day. And as things start to happen, it's kind of, it's fun because you're going, okay, yeah, this is, this is happening. And then things that, um, like are not happening, like for me, um, that I strength train on a regular basis. (laughs) Every day I write that, I just think, okay, you need to start this if this is going to be true by the end of the year. So it's just, it's kind of a, a positive way to, um, to work on your goals. So um, I've been like everybody else, you know, I want to lose 20, 25 pounds this year, and that's not going so well. I got to think of a way I have a feeling that there might be one or two of you out there that also have that goal. And maybe we can do something to, um, to be accountability partners or to be an encouragement over in the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group. Uh, maybe we could get a daily post or something going over there. I don't know. Let me know if you'd like that idea. Um, I think it's, it's fun to sort of, you know, take people along on the journey for that. So let's get right into it and talk about some quilting. But first, thanks to the Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring the Simple Handmade Everyday podcast. The Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. Are you quilting along with the Bloomtopia charity quilt? The pattern for the first two blocks has been posted and they look like so much fun. And there's even a video by Chelsea of Sherry and Chelsea who designed the, the fabrics that they're using and the quilt um, showing you how to make the blocks. So that I watched that video and that was really fun. The way it works is there's a suggested donation of $5 per pattern to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Central and South Texas. The Fat Quarter Shop and Moda will match donations up to $20,000. So check it out. You can just follow along on the Jolly Jabber blog, which is the Fat Quarter Shop blog, to download the patterns as they're posted. And I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I'll put a link in the show notes. All right, quilting. First, I have to thank everybody who popped over um, and voted on the Fat Quarter Shop Pillow Talk competition that I talked about last time. 
it was so close. It was so close. I totally thought I was going to be crushed because, you know, I was going up against Minky Kim and her pillow was beautiful. Um, but I don't know. It was like 40, what was it? Maybe 43% to 57%. Does that add up to 100? I don't know. Something like that. It was way closer than I thought it would be. So thank you um, for getting over there. It must have been you guys voting for me. <laughs> So it was totally fun. And um, there's two new quil or two new pillows up right now, and they are both beautiful. Um, so just, yeah, keep following along and supporting that. Um, I am looking forward to making another pillow from the Pillow Talk book from uh, Adidas Sitar from Laundry Basket Quilts. That was um, super fun. Instructions are great. The pillow designs are beautiful. So totally check that out. The other thing that I have been working on, well, I should rephrase, the only thing that I have been working on quilting wise is my hand-pieced quilt along quilt. So um, Patty from Elm Street Quilts and I were launching um, this year's, the 2020 version of the hand-pieced quilt along. We will be doing our quilt reveal blog post with more actual details um, for the quilts along let's see, we're in early February this month, like in the next couple weeks. Um, totally looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I actually have to finish my quilt. I'm, I'm down to borders at this point, but I've just really been putting on some, some time uh, working on hand piecing that every night. And it's been so much fun. I've really, really enjoyed it. I am loving working with the fabrics this year are from Art Gallery Fabrics. They feel a little bit different. They're a little... Um, softer and silkier than your normal quilting cotton. I guess it's called Pima cotton. And uh, I'm loving it. They're great for hand piecing. And um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying that. But it has been a lot of hand sewing. <laughs> but that has left me a lot of time um, to watch a lot of TV and listen to a lot of books. I'll talk about those later. I think I said basically these exact same words last podcast. So I'm sorry. But really, all of uh, January and into February has been... Um, has been quilting that quilt or, or piecing that quilt. But I do have a few other um, quilting related things to talk about. Last time I also talked about the new book Patchwork Gifts by Elise Beck. It's pronounced. I stumbled over it terribly last episode. It's uh, Elise Beck. And I'm, um, I'm on the blog hop for that one or the blog tour. And I'm still trying to figure out what, um, what I'm going to make. When I talked last episode. I think I decided as I was looking through it that I might do a journal cover, but she's got a really cute baby quilt in there that, um, with half square triangles. And I think it would be really fun. So now, now I'm, I'm thinking about that. So I'll keep you posted on that. Oh, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, um, my friend Holly Ann over at String and Story. She, um, teaches free motion quilting online. She is an amazing teacher. I've talked about her before. We kind of learned to free motion quilt at the same time. She took off like a rocket with it and now teaches it long arms. She's amazing. And now I, um, I kind of went the other direction. I'm like, yes, I can do this. But now that I've proven that I can do this, I'm going to pay somebody else to do it <laughs> and quit my own small projects. And I might just stay with that, uh, that MO for a while. But if you want to learn how to Free Motion Quilt, Holly Ann is your gal. She um, has this thing called Free Motion Quilting Academy, and she opens the doors only a couple times a year. And it's pretty cool because um, while you have access to these classes um, forever, 
you actually, if you join at, you know, like as a cohort, like right now as she's opening, she will take you through you and all the hundreds of other people through each lesson. And, you know, there's a private Facebook group and um, people post pictures of the progress and there's just a ton of support. You can get in there, in there and ask questions. So it's very interactive. And, um, I, off the top of my head, I think it, it, she takes you through, um, between eight and 12 weeks. I can't really remember right now, but it's a great experience. So definitely check that out. Um, she's going through a free class right now on her Facebook group, String and Stories, and she records those as Facebook Live. So if you're kind of curious about this, I'll put a link in the show notes for both Free Motion Quilting Academy and um, to her Facebook group. So you can just look at the free courses so you can see her style of, of uh, teaching and interacting and, and you really get a sense of who she is and um, you know what I've been blown away I'm a member of that private Facebook group and you just cannot even believe where people start at the beginning if you know if, if you know how to free motion quilt a little bit you kind of remember what those stitches look like at the beginning they're they're really long and they're jerky and your tension is off and you don't get smooth circles and you know all those kinds of things and then people are posting whole cloth quilt samples you know to qualify because she actually has a graduation ceremony at the end and and they are these these whole cloth quilts are amazing so they come so far because you know what the secret to free motion quilting is it's practice and by signing up for this class and kind of going through the facebook group and going it with you know through with the whole group it kind of is an inspiring situation so it makes you want to practice so so anyways Check out Free Motion Quilting Academy if learning how to free motion quilt is on like your 2020 list of, you know, things that you want to learn how to do this year. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is, do you label your quilts? I'm terrible. I've never labeled a quilt. I'm embarrassed to admit that. Um, I just, I just have never figured out the right way that would work for me to do it. But I was um, chatting on Instagram with a fellow quilter named Jessica Dayton. I don't know if you follow her. She um, makes a lot of really cute quilts. And she turned me on to something that I haven't ordered yet, but I'm going to. These labels from Border City Quilts, and um, they are almost like a tag that you would see in clothing. I mean, you can even get them in satin. And so she got ones that just said her name on the front, and then you fold them in half. And then if you flip that little tag over, so on the backside, um, is the year. They often just say, you know, handmade by or homemade by or made with love, or whatever. You can have it say whatever you want in different fonts. Um, and then you just sew that right into the binding when you, um, when you go to bind it. And then it, it's just this small little tag. No, it doesn't have, you know, like made with love for dad for your 75th birthday. And this is the year and this is the pattern. You know, it's not one of those kinds of quilts, but it's something. And right now I'm doing nothing. And so um, I'm thinking about getting those. And tell me if, you know, if you label your quilts and if you do, congratulations, <laughs> I'm very proud of you. Um, and I need to least step up my game uh, this far. All right, let's move on to some knitting news, which I don't have much, only that I'm still working on that sock. I'm halfway done with the second sock of a pair of socks that I've been knitting for several months. So no news there. But I taught Minky how to knit, sort of. She was over one day. I think it was the day we took pictures of those pillows for our pillow talk competition. And she said, show me how to knit. So, um, got some needles out and showed her how to just knit 
uh, do the normal knit stitch. I knit continental. Now, when I learned to knit, I learned to knit American. Maybe it's also called English style, um, where you throw the yarn with your right hand, if you're right-handed. Um, no offense, there is a ton of wasted motion when you do it that way. Although some people can knit very quickly with that. I totally understand that. But knitting continental is called um, picking. And there's no throwing the yarn. And it's just, it's way, from an economy of motion standpoint, it's way more efficient. So I tried to teach her to knit continental. And um, so she was inspired. She picked it, you know, she picked it right up. And um, so she went home. I think she, uh, what she did is she found a video online. Of course, you can totally learn to knit from online. I think she even found one um, in Korean. Um, so that was a, even a better fit for her. And then the next day, she texted me a picture. Like she'd been knitting for, for day, you know, two days straight at that point. <laughs> and she had gotten so good so fast. And so now, I don't know if, if you're following her, Ziriano, on Instagram. She has totally, um, she, she's posted several of these washcloths. I got her turned on to the dishy cotton yarn from Knit Picks. It's way nicer than the stuff that you can buy at Joann's and Michael's, the um, sugar and cream stuff, the dishy. It's, it's very nice and still very inexpensive. So she's just like, t you know, just like I knew she would. Like the next thing I know, she's going to be like designing sweaters probably. <laughs> You know, I, I have like not progressed in my knitting at all in 10 years and, you know, she's going to totally take off. So anyways, it was just really fun to kind of introduce her. I mean, I barely introduced her. She did it all herself. Um, but so, so Minky's knitting now and, um, and Chloe, she'll be coming home um, in a couple weeks and I'm hoping to kind of, uh, get her inspired to get crocheting and maybe make some crochet dishcloths. As much as I love knitted dishcloths, I think crochet ones are better because they have more holes in them. So I need to kind of get her on that for me making some making some dishcloths for me let's move on to books have you read anything good lately i have to say i've been um struggling a little bit finding something to really sink my teeth into um i depend a lot on the libby app to listen to audiobooks but you know you don't always have the greatest selections i did start listening to a book by i always want to say debbie mccomber but that is not how you say her name and now I can't, because I heard her say it herself, and it's not Macomber. It's, yeah, I don't know what it is, but you know who I'm talking about. She um, has, you know, many different series of books, and, and she's very much kind of a lightweight uh, romance author. Um, but she has, in addition to the um, the series, the, the Blossom Street series, which is all crafty stuff, and I totally liked those, um, she also has this series, the Rose Harbor series, about this woman who um, opens a uh, a bed and breakfast at a you know really hard point in her life. Blah blah blah. Hires a hunky handyman. You do the math. But it's about um, you know four or five books long, I think. And I I read a couple back in the day. Um, but this is apparently this book called I think it's called Sweet Tomorrow. It was the last one in the series. I definitely missed a few in the middle there, but I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I couldn't find anything else. I'm like, I'm just going to listen to this. To be honest with you, I gave up on it because um, I sort of knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> and it made me think, Kristen, you need to re read better quality books. So I'm on the hunt. I, you know what? I've got no problem with fiction and even some, you know, light. You know, I love my myself a cozy mystery, but I think I could probably up my... Um, quality of the books I'm reading a little bit. So that is a, uh, a goal of mine. And so 
towards that end, I downloaded Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. And um, I think I talked about this last uh, podcast. So Ann Patchett, well, well-respected writer. And this is an, sort of an epic family story. Um, it's kind of a long book. And I'm, I'm about halfway. And I'm not hating it, but I just kind of feel like not a lot happens in this book. And I love a character-driven novel. So I don't expect a ton of plot, but I just kind of didn't feel that there was a theme to this except for family relationships are hard. (laughs) That's the theme. So I don't know. I still, I haven't returned it yet. I might continue, but I asked a few people in the hand-pieced quilt along, not the hand-pieced quilt along, the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group, um, if you read it and, and what did you think? And I kind of got a lot of, yeah, nothing really happens. I gave up on it or I finished it and it was okay. Not my favorite book. So I may, I may abandon it because you know what? Life is short. But, um, so yeah, I feel like I'm striking out a little bit there. I talked last time about the book, How to Steal Like an Artist. Um, and I just, again, I kind of finished that. I, I read it a couple times now and just really liked the inspiration that that book gives about um, about creativity and realized that I need to keep a notebook. Like, a, I, I have lots of notebooks, but I need to keep like a, basically a creativity notebook um, where I can... Um, sort of put things that are, you know, inspiring color combinations or designs or quilting patterns or things like that. It's so hard in our digital world, um, you know, to keep a physical notebook of things like that. It's probably better to do digitally, but I don't see that happening for me. So um, I'd be curious if you guys wanted to share if you keep any sort of a an inspirational notebook like that. Um, but yeah, or just, you know, quotes, just, you know, just kind of a whole mishmash of whatever's inspiring you, poems, words, you know, um, interactions with people. I, I think I'd like to start keeping a notebook like that. And who knows where that could lead. So the book that I just checked out, so I could not, I always do this. I talk about books that I have, don't have a recommendation on yet, but the town next to us, Thousand Oaks does is a, is a bigger city than ours and they have a fabulous library and they do a one city one book program every year where they pick a book and then you know they try to get a bunch of people to read it and then during one month they have activities they sometimes bring the author in to talk and I don't know I've actually never done it my friend Pam the one that's uh, British and showed you how to brew a cup of tea a few episodes back she often reads this book and she always tells me about it and I go yeah 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 that someday but this year I actually got the book out of the library and it's called The Honey Bus it's it's a memoir about a child who something all I know is something bad happens lives with maybe a grandparent who keeps bees on an abandoned bus <laughs> and um, you know this is sort of a transformative part of her life so it's supposed to be very good so I'll let you know uh, maybe next um, episode whether whether that is worth a, a read or not but I am hoping to really kind of dig my heels in on uh, a good fiction book here because um, if not, I will just go back and re-listen to all of the Inspector Gamache books <laughs> because that's what I do when I can't figure out what to read. All right, let's move on to um, shows and movies. I forgot to mention last time that when I um, came back from my business trip, I watched Where'd You Go Bernadette on the airplane. Isn't it great the way you can watch movies and TV shows on airplanes now like you you can pick what you want to watch instead of everybody watching the exact same 
thing. So I watched Where'd You Go Bernadette, which is a book I've always sort of meant to read and not gotten around to it. So I'll just watch the movie. It's got Kate Blanchett as Bernadette and Kristen Wiig and perhaps her greatest straight man role I've ever seen her in. I love Kristen Wiig because she is so hilarious, but she plays just a really uptight neighbor in this situation. And uh, I always thought based on the title that that she sort of like disappears, you know, like Gone Girl or something. But no, that is not actually what happens. It's more like a woman who, um, she's an architect, very highly intelligent, very creative. And she just sort of loses herself, just loses sight of herself. She's married, she has a kid. And, um, and some things happen to her professionally, which cause her to sort of withdraw creatively and how that really backs up on her in her life. And I thought that was really cool. I think it kind of relates to us as creators of if we are not creating, um, you know, we are not realizing our potential and that can, you know, sort of show up in different areas of our life. So I really um, enjoyed that. It was funny um, and sort of poignant, too. So that's uh, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Um, Last episode, I asked for some recommendations for, um, you know, some good British... some good British show I could watch because I was having withdrawals. And a couple people reached out to me about the the newest PBS masterpiece show called Sanditon, which is a really weird name. Sanditon is apparently the name of a town in England. And where else, right? <laughs> and um, okay, the idea here is, is this is a Sanditon is an unfinished Jane Austen novel that she didn't finish because she got sick and ultimately died is the is the conventional thinking here, I guess. And it's a very Jane Austen story. <laughs> very Jane Austen. It's got her fingerprints all over it. Totally enjoying it. I think it's eight episodes long. I don't know if there's more than going to be more than one season. There's just one season now. Um, I finished seven episodes. So tonight I'm very excited about uh, watching the last episode. Um, it's about a young girl who, uh, like one of 12 children, farmer's daughter, obviously poor, gets the opportunity to go stay with a very wealthy family in the town of Sanditon, which this man that she's staying with, the man of the family, is trying to turn into a, uh, like a seaside resort town. And so they're, um, they're building and they're trying to get, you know, clientele to come and stay and, um, you know, a lot of repeat business. So, um, you know, so that's kind of a unique take, although, you know, how many Jane Austen books start on the seashore, but there's been some very interesting things. Um, the, the heroine's name is Charlotte. I find her adorable. And part of what I find so endearing about her is I feel like she's always a little bit of mess. <laughs> she's got curly brown hair and I don't know where Sanditon is. It seems a lot like Cornwall. The scenery seems a lot like pole dark, which is why I'm thinking that. So there's a lot of wind. And so her hair is just always a mess. And she's always kind of squinting when she's talking to people and making faces. And she's adorable. So um, so my point here is that she's not perfect. She, of course, would be your most beautiful friend if you knew her in real life. But in terms of TV, she seems kind of, you know, attainable. Um, So kind of interesting things is that they have these things called bathing machines, so for if a woman wanted to go into the sea, there's like a little hut on wheels and you would go in there and you would put on this ridiculous bathing costume 
that was in bright red. I feel it's like something out of Handmaid's Tale with like a thing over your hair and obviously covering you from the neck all the way down and, you know, with yards and yards of fabric. And they would pull this, this little hut that's like, I'm going to say four feet by four feet. They would pull it out into the water for you. And then from there, you would get into the ocean. So I don't know, the, the idea is that you would be scandalous to walk down the beach and get into the water as a woman. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it would be more scandalous when you were walking back when with this thing was sticking to your body or something. But I had no idea there were these things called bathing machines. Meanwhile, the men just strip down butt naked and just go right into the water. <laughs> so like, what is up with that double standard? So, um, but anyways... Uh, there's definitely a very Mr. Darcy character um, in that. And by that, I mean super jerky, but very good looking. And you imagine there is a heart of gold under there. It is played by, he is played by Theo James, which you might know as Mr. Pamuk from the first episode of Downton Abbey, I think. Um, or if you ever saw any of the uh, Divergent movies, um, he's in that. He's, you know, obviously very very hunky. Um, and so, yeah, so just, you know, it's, it's very Jane Austen-y, um, a lot of, you know, class stuff, a lot of beautiful costumes. And um, yeah, so check it out, Sanditon. And I finished Anne with an E, which I guess is going to be the last season. And I have to say, cried my eyes out. <laughs> it was the last few episodes I found amazingly touching. Um, and, and this, you know, okay, so I, I've asked a few people about this. People seem to be very divided about Anne with an E. Um, some people love it, and some people cannot get over that it's different than the books. And if you're one of those people, I encourage you to give it a try. I mean, you know, obviously you do you. But if you think of it as just sort of fan fiction, the, the actual storyline, if you just, if you forget that it's this Anne that you knew before, um, and you think you know what happened to her because you read all the Anne books. Um, the storylines are amazing. They definitely tackle more social issues than were ever covered in the book, which makes it a little bit more of a modern interpretation. As a matter of fact, you know, maybe a lot of these things would not have really played out in that time frame the way they're playing out for us as an audience now. But again, don't really care. Um, the casting is amazing, costumes amazing, and I'm really enjoying the story. So I may have to just go back and rewatch that whole series again because I, I found it truly delightful. Let's finish this off with uh, a little bit of homemaking. I wanted to give you a candle update. I mentioned a few episodes back that Chloe and I made candles over on winter break. I bought a set um, from Amazon that included grated soy wax and um, wicks and wick centerers. And we made a number of um, plain white soy candles in little mason jars, as well as taking um, wax from candles that I own that was too highly scented and, and mixing those down with, um, with wax. And I have to say, you know, they needed to s sort of sit and cure for a while. So I've been, I just recently started burning those candles and it worked out really well. It was a really fun afternoon and um, there's nothing weird about the candles. They all seem to be burning evenly and just fine. So that was a great experiment and I am totally looking forward to um, 
making some more candles in the future. So the other thing I actually really wanted to talk to you about today is how you organize your grocery list. I realize that um, people do this a lot of different ways and um, I'd say that some organization methods are better than others. So I just kind of wanted to share how I did mine because it works really well for me. So I shop at regularly three grocery stores. So Trader Joe's is 90% um, of my list and I do that every week. We have a Vons across the street, which is like a Kroger, Albertsons, you know, just like your more conventional grocery store. I used to shop there all the time. It would be very convenient, but I really love um, Trader Joe's. I love the way it's curated. I love the way they pay attention to ingredients. Um, I like shopping in a smaller store, to be honest with you. But there are some things that you just have to go to a conventional grocery store for. If you want brand name Tabasco or Sriracha or things like that, uh, if you're passionate about your best food mayonnaise, <laughs> you know, um, then you need to get that at a regular grocery store. And obviously it's there for the midweek. Oh my gosh, we're at a produce run. And then we also have a Costco membership and we get um, almost all our meat at Costco, um, all of our bulk paper products, um, a number of, buy eggs, five dozen at a time there. So we definitely have our list of things that we get from Costco as well. So in my kitchen, inside a cabinet door, because I like to keep everything hidden, inside a, uh, one of the cabinet doors, I have lined with cork. Um, those little, uh, they're just squares that I bought at um, Target that are about, you know, a half inch or less thick. And they're just um, mounted up there. And um, I should maybe take a picture of this, but it's nothing pretty. But I, I basically have little post-it notes that say Costco, Trader Joe's, um, Vons, and I actually also have one for Target and Home Depot and Petco, <laughs> but let's not talk about those. And I just have plain index cards um, thumbtacked under each of these little um, little post-it notes for the store name. So that's the obvious place where you just jot down the things as you realize that you need them. It's also the place when a person pulls the last thing out of a pantry. It is their job to write it on the little um, index card, right? And um, so that is a, a way that we keep track of, you know, if we've run out of deodorant, and I know that I get that at Target, that goes on there. If we run out of bacon, that goes on the Costco list. Sometimes I write things on multiple lists. Like if we, I don't know, let's just say run out of peanut butter. Um, and it's like, I'm not going to be at Trader Joe's for a while. I'll put it on the Trader Joe's list. I'll also put it on the Vons list. I may even put it on the Target list so that whatever store I go to next, I, I'll know that I get that. That's for things like that if we, if we really, really need it. So um, so that's the way we kind of keep an ongoing grocery list is, is right there. And then I sit down on Saturday mornings and do my menu planning. Um, and I plan out a week's worth of menus. I'm, I'd really like to get to the point where I'm planning out two weeks at a time so that I only have to sit down with the recipe binders and the cookbooks and all that stuff like twice a month. That would, that's my goal. But right now I, I pretty much, it's my, my thing that after I drink my coffee on Saturday morning, I sit down and I start menu planning. And I usually start asking people like, give me one thing you want to eat this week <laughs> to sort of help. I also, um, as a as a structure, I make little notes on a piece of scratch paper that say like beef, chicken, fish, vegetarian, soup, uh, these as categories to kind of help me um, so that I don't make accidentally sort of make sandwich based things all week long. So that just kind of helps me like, oh, what would be something we could have with beef this week? Oh, we could do 
hamburgers. We could do fajitas. What's something for chicken? Oh, I could do chicken chili, you know, that kind of a thing. Kind of just gives me um, something to, to hang some ideas on. And so then I just, um, after I've made that that uh, menu plan, then I pull my grocery list for Trader Joe's off of the, you know, uh, out of the, the cupboard there, take out my little index card, and I've created... Um, shopping master shopping lists in just excel again they're not pretty for um for both uh, trader joe's and for costco it took me a long time to do the one for costco i finally got around to that but it's my um it's just a it's an excel spreadsheet shopping list that goes basically in the order that i shop at trader joe's and so it's even a little bit out of order so like all the produce is not necessarily together because i hit the produce in two different at uh, two different times when i the way my trader joe's is laid out and um, so I transfer over whatever, you know, has accumulated on the list during the week and then the stuff for my, for my menu plan. And having that um, pre-printed um, grocery list for Trader Joe's, I, I got to tell you, it's worked out really well because here's the thing is that I've kind of found out that there's a lot of things that I buy at these stores that aren't really on the list because I know, you know, like, I don't know, I just always pick up hummus and a bag of tortilla chips Every time, you know, that I go, I always pick up, you know, a thing of uh, tortillas, you know, like there were things that I was buying without writing them down, without realizing it. And so then my husband would say, oh, I'll go to Trader Joe's for you. And so I would hand him the list and he would come home with, you know, and he wouldn't have any of these things that I always think about, you know, I will always buy fruit while I'm at the grocery store. And so by writing this list and having everything laid out, once I've transferred the list from the week and the menu plan, then I just go through the whole list from Trader Joe's and just mark off, oh, we, yes, we need salad dressing, definitely look at the fruit, definitely get two things of hummus, grab some lunch meat, you know, things like that, that, I, that because I really only menu plan dinner. So lunch and breakfast things are things I have to kind of think of off the top of my head. So I don't know if that's helpful to you, but um, it's a system that works for us really well. I know some people keep track of their um, things that they need during the week, like on an app on their phone or on the notes app on their phone. But I don't do that because if um, my son uses the last, you know, of the cheese, I want him to write it on a list for me because, as I so frequently say, I don't do an inventory every time I go to the grocery store. If we've used something up, it needs to go on a list because I'm not going to look for things that were missing. Does that make sense? So anyways, so that is my um, how I keep track of grocery lists. Let me know how you do it. I'd be happy to hear that as well. And because I'm always looking for ways to upgrade my system. Always, always. So I want to take this opportunity to thank people who left reviews. I love you. Thank you so much. There were three reviews since my last podcast. Um, OC Quilter and Crafter, Tana Maroney, and Care. How do I want to say that? Karanbu, Karanbu, <laughs> C-A-R-A-N-N-B-U. So thank you so much. Um, I totally appreciate um, the kind words that you leave in your in your reviews and um, and that you took the time to do it. So if you enjoy the podcast, I encourage you to leave a review or a rating, share it with a friend, um, whatever, whatever you would like to do. Always appreciated. 
So thanks for spending this time with me. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, on Instagram at Kristen Esser. And for the millionth time, this podcast, if you feel so inclined, join us over in the Simple Handmade Every Day private Facebook group so that we can keep this conversation going. I hope that you have a great week, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you.